to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm here with my cohort, uh, Reverend Ross Hodges, and uh, we are missing uh, today our uh, third host, uh, Gabriel Williams. He's uh, at the college this morning uh, with various responsibilities, and we miss having him here. And especially, as I know, he'd be great on this topic uh, to help us with, to discuss, and that is the topic of uncomfortable worship. Uh, the question we want to deal with today, uh, Ross, is how comfortable should worship really be for uh, unbelievers, uh, but also for for believers? Uh, there's been a uh, movement in the last 30 years in the church, you know, sort of starting with Bill Hybels uh, and um, his church up in Chicago, Willow Creek, uh, where they quite literally went and knocked on doors in their neighborhood and asked, what can we do in worship to make you more comfortable so that you'll come and that you'll listen? And so was born the seeker-friendly uh, church mm. and movement. And many churches have sought to uh, to model themselves after the Willow Creek uh, model, uh, wanting to have a service that's going to be attractive and accessible uh, to unbelievers. And uh, and then from that, you have a thousand manifestations of mm-hmm. this kind of seeker-friendly movement, uh, some as uh, harmless as just really wanting to be welcoming and uh, warm uh, to those who are coming in the church from outside the church, not wanting to be unnecessarily offensive, and then sort of everything in between mm-hmm. uh, in terms of wanting to make uh, unbelievers comfortable with uh, the way everything from the way we communicate to the way we dress to the music that's played to the coffee that's served and so I thought it would be an interesting uh, dis- uh, topic to consider uh, how comfortable should worship be if it is indeed being done biblically hmm. I, it's a great question and I, I think the first question perhaps that needs to be asked is can we distinguish between being comfortable and being friendly or welcoming? And I think the answer is yes. Um, you, you can have somebody be very welcoming and very friendly towards you uh, in a number of settings that uh, might feel uncomfortable, um, and yet uh, you're still welcomed. And um, I think we have to distinguish between those two because as, as Christians, we should be welcoming and we should be friendly. Um, even if worship should not be comfortable, as you're saying, it, even if it shouldn't be seeker-sensitive in the way uh, that it's seeking to uh, make it a place where unbelievers, people who aren't Christians, who don't have a good relationship with uh, the living God, feel very at home and at ease. Right. Um, and even for a believer, uh, there should be not any kind of a cowering fear, but a filial fear and respect. Uh, yeah for their Heavenly Father, who's also, by the way, uh, King of the universe, creator and sustainer of, 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 of the world and the yes. universe. And so there's a sense in which uh, when we enter into public worship, there is a certain gravitas and weightiness to the occasion, isn't there? Yeah, and I think it's important to, again, make some distinctions here because you can have that filial fear and gravitas without um, having 
what what people think comes along with that as as far as thinking that God is an angry God, He's ready right. to smash you. And I think we can take a human example. Uh, think about something like uh, a ceremony where the Medal of Honor is being given out um, to a soldier who has performed valiantly and. You know, nobody there is going to be cracking jokes and high-fiving. and all. It's a very somber occasion. But a joyful one. But it's a joyful occasion, exactly. And I think we have to make those kind of connections and say that worship is a, it's a joyful, wonderful meeting between God and His people, but it's also a reverent occasion. One friend uh, told me many years ago that when they have new visitors in their church who aren't quite used to the reverence that... Um, that we believe is biblical uh, to have in our services. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28, 29 uh, commands us to worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. It says that that is acceptable worship. Yes. Um, uh, but they, they said um, that they like to, to use the illustration or the analogy uh, of the fact that they like to do throne throne your excuse me, throne room <laughs> worship rather than uh, backyard worship. Yes. So that when when we gather together as God's people to worship according to Scripture, we are not going into the backyard. We're not having a picnic. We're, we're going into the throne room to worship the living God, to exalt Him for all who He is. Yes. And, you know, while we understand some of the better motivations that are behind seeker-sensitive worship, you want unbelievers to come, you want them to be evangelized, you want them to be um, uh, moved to uh, to sticking with your church and, and hearing the gospel and being converted, um, we have to say that the Bible doesn't really put it that way. Um, the Bible puts worship, as you mentioned, from Hebrews chapter 12 as something um, that is otherworldly. It's, it's really not supposed to be comfortable. Um, and it's not supposed to be innovative. It's not supposed to be something where we just kind of make it up as we go, depending upon who we want to be there. And I, I think that uh, part of the mistake of, of seeker-sensitive, uh, the seeker-sensitive approach as historically it, it, we've seen it, um, is that it, it believes that we can sort of manipulate people into um, a right relationship with God yeah. and and wanting to stick around and, yeah. and those sorts of things. Um, or making them feel like they're a part or ma- when exactly. they're really not. Yes. I mean, the fact is, if we believe the Scriptures, what they say about the body of Christ, then you understand that only those who are united to Christ by grace through faith are actually a part a yes. true part of the body and a true part of the fellowship. What does it say when we are trying to convince people uh, that they are a part when really they're not? Right. And so we need to distinguish between being a welcoming church, a friendly church, a loving church, and being a, a place where you're comfortable. Because once you start making comfortability a priority, then you have to start watering down your message yes and making your music more culturally hip for instance mm-hmm. or removing aspects of your service that might be offensive to uh, an unbeliever who's there yeah so you know the, the question i always ask is where in the bible do we see people comfortable in the presence of god <laughs> right Right. I, I don't think we see it. I mean, <laughs> I think we see people uh, joyful in the presence of God. We see people yes. 
um, basking in the light of God's face and yes. His presence. But there's an uncomfortability there because it is the holy God of the universe into whose presence you're coming. And certainly the picture we get at Sinai um, with uh, with the people there, there's, there's a trembling and a fear and there's a crying out for a mediator. And of course, we know that we now have that perfect mediator in Christ. And yes. so there's not the same kind of fear. Um, but nonetheless, it's still a God who, as Hebrews 12 says, is a consuming fire. Yes, in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we have the renewal of the covenant uh, where Ezra reads the law. Uh, there are those who are explaining it. Everybody's present. And how do they respond? Well, it says in verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Mm. Uh, this does not sound like casual, flippant worship, a uh, kind of happy, clappy, you know, a lot of jokes and levity. You just don't have that. Uh, Isaiah in Isaiah 6, when he comes into the presence of God, he is one of God's own. Mm-hmm. And what's his response? His response is one of declaring his own unworthiness, uh, that he's a man of unclean lips. And um, Peter in the boat, when when Jesus uh, tells him to throw the net on the other side and all these fish come in, and then all of a sudden Peter uh, has a moment where he realizes who he's in the boat with. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? He's, he's, he's in fear. Yeah, go away from me, yeah. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Yes. Uh, so this kind of uh, trivializing of God bringing him down to our level in a way that is really irreverent, disrespectful, and that comes through in our worship with all the levity. It really is is something we don't see expressed in the Bible. We don't see it yeah. in Old Testament um, uh, worship. We don't see it in New Testament worship. Uh, in fact, there there is an instance where there is uh, lev- lev- levity and casualness in worship. Yeah, in, right. in the Leviticus, Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 10 with Nadab and Abihu, and they, um, they decided to do it their own way, apparently, and God was not pleased, and, and he, he struck them dead. Yes, um, consumed them. Yeah, and while that's not the sort of thing that we are, we're, we're not trying to say here that if you, know, you worship God in an inappropriate way, you know, fire is going to come out from heaven and consume you. The principle that, that we want to understand is that you, you shouldn't take God lightly. While you don't, again, you don't have this fear of judgment, fear of wrath as, as, as a Christian, um, you, you also don't treat him flippantly. And um, we uh, we want to, as we enter into worship, realizing realize that we're not coming to something that's like the other six days of the week. Right. That's part of the point, isn't it? And part of the point of what is sort of uncomfortable and even should be uncomfortable in a way, um, that this is not like going to a ball game. This is not right. like going to a concert. This we're is not, we're not we're not looking for consumers. Exactly. We're not we're not marketers who are spending our week designing a worship service that's going to make people feel comfortable and and um, accepted and and these kinds of things. We're not we're not designing the service based on cultural trends and yes. fads and people's desires. We're not taking a poll and asking what do you guys think worship should be so that you'll come. In fact, our starting point is the Bible. 
the word of God, because the word is that uh, which regulates how we worship God. If, if the word's not, then it's just going to be, well, whoever's preference or desires uh, rule the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think something that's a little counterintuitive about this is that when we come to worship flippantly, we end up taking God flippantly. And when we end up taking God flippantly, we end up taking His promises flippantly and His promises in light of sin and salvation and those things. Uh, whereas when we come to worship uh, in a more serious manner, we end up taking God more seriously and therefore we take His Word more seriously and His promises more seriously. Yeah. And our children take it all more seriously too. And our children take it more seriously. And, and that actually brings ultimately comfort. Yes, and so it's it's not flippant and casual, but yet it brings the the gravitas that ha, that wonderful weightiness yes. of the gospel. Yes. So we don't want to. I think this is helpful that we understand that we don't want to try to make people comfortable in our own ways and manipulative ways. We want them to find their comfort in Christ. Yes. And so when we declare and recount the judgment and salvation of God and Jesus Christ in every one of our worship services. Yes. We are declaring to everyone in the room, to our own hearts, that the only true and lasting comfort will not be in the coffee we're serving or in the music that we're, we're playing mm-hmm. or in the, the, the manner in which we, we, we treat you before and after the service. It's actually in Jesus. Yes. And that's the most important thing that worship is going to communicate is the person and finished work of Jesus Christ through word and sacrament. Now, those things shouldn't be comfortable to someone who is outside of Christ. Yes. So while we can warmly welcome someone and be friendly and, 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 and receive them uh, with open arms, when the gospel is being preached as the only remedy for our sin mm-hmm. and and they are not open to that or reject that and we also declare the reality of God's judgment outside of Christ of course they're not going to be comfortable no. but we don't want to remove that biblical truth um, in order to make people feel comfortable right because then you're actually removing the only place where true comfort is found Everything else is a veneer. It's a facade. You, you're, yes. you're, you're, if you remove the weightiness of worship and the weightiness of judgment and salvation, because you can talk about salvation all you want, but without judgment it makes no sense. Yes. When you remove the weightiness of those things, you remove the actual uh, place where, where true comfort, as you're saying, is, is, final, is finally found. Yes. Um, I've had people in the past... Um, in fact, it, the question has been asked many times over the years in, in ministry uh, in relation to Reformed worship, because Reformed worship uh, is uh, weighty. There's gravitas there. It's serious. Mm-hmm. It's also joyful and, and, and happy and glorious Yes. at the same time, but it is weighty. And I've mm-hmm. had people ask me, you know, Pastor John, I, I just sometimes don't feel like I can bring my unbelieving friends to worship because they're uncomfortable or or they'll say I brought my friend to worship but he or she was uncomfortable and isn't coming back and so the immediate thought is there must be something wrong with the way we're worshiping right rather than there's something wrong with the heart of this person who is rejecting 
Christ yes. and his promises, right? Our, yeah. our initial reaction is there must be something wrong with with the, the, the service. Yeah. Uh, there must be something wrong with the program. Yeah. Well, uh, because we're not comfortable. And I, that, that point is illustrated by I heard the story of a, a, a man who, in his, he's a Christian now, but in his younger years, um, he was in the Navy and he was living in a lifestyle that was not pleasing to the Lord, and he knew that. Um, but he, one night he couldn't sleep. He got up. He he grabbed a Bible uh, of his buddies that, um, that was there for whatever reason. He started to open it, and then he stopped and closed it and put it back and said, "No, if I open that and read it, I'm going to hear something I don't want to hear." <laughs> and it's going to make essentially it's going to make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so we would never we would never say there's something wrong with the Word of God, and and that we should encourage people not to read it if it doesn't make them comfortable and feel good about themselves. I mean, you. you you take it for what it is, and if you are not in Christ, it will make you very uncomfortable. It exposes your sin. It, it shows you that mm-hmm. the law will crush you. Mm-hmm. It shows you that you are guilty before a holy God. Um, mm-hmm. And th- that is not a comfortable thing. Mm-hmm. But you you have to have that to see your need. And you and so but, but what I'm driving at is part of this is, that, is that's what worship does. Is it, it, ex- it shows the holiness of God, exposes the sinfulness of man, but then it also gives the answer. And that's where the joy is, right? Yes. But it's a serious kind of joy. It's not flippant. This isn't just something we can take casually because this is life and death. Uh, this is eternity that we're participating uh, in. Amen. Another uh, criticism that will come at times of a more... Um, rich liturgy or worship service, which could be in the Anglican Church or Reformed Baptist Church or Presbyterian Church, is people will walk away and say, you know, I just I didn't understand everything going on and I'm uncomfortable. Um, my response to that would be, what organization that's 2,000 years old is going to be easily understandable in, in, in one visit? Right. Um, what discipline, whether it's music or medicine or law or anything, would you ever walk into a meeting yes. and immediately understand and get everything that's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, now, do I believe the gospel should be clearly communicated in every worship services? Absolutely. Do I think it's, it's by the grace of God, understandable when clearly communicated? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. However, the idea that we want to um, dumb down, as it were, our worship services to be on the level of, of puppet shows or fourth graders, it, 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 it actually is not doing anybody any favors. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's going to slow down the, the maturation of, of the people of God when your worship is brought down to a level of the person walking in the door for the first time. Um, how do you expect the church to grow? Why, why is it that so many young people are leaving the church when they go to college? Well, it's because they've been in churches that haven't really taught them yeah. anything. So uh, the worship service isn't to be designed for unbelievers. The worship service is, uh, on the Lord's Day, morning and evening worship, are the workshop of the Holy Spirit, the 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 place of... Christian discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's worship is not a an evangelistic tent meeting organized to reach unbelievers. It's it's a a meeting between God and His people mm-hmm. to renew the covenant. God declaring His promises to us in Christ. Us responding to them by faith and then growing and and seeking Him with greater zeal and faithfulness by His grace. 
And if an unbeliever is there, we hope and pray that they will, by the grace of God, understand and believe the gospel, mm-hmm. embrace it with all their hearts. Um, but it's not designed for them. Um, a wonderful illustration I heard by a friend, T. Dave Gordon, was that he was talking about a, a, um, a family reunion uh, of his family, and, and David is uh, uh, vertically challenged. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty short. He uh, writes like a giant, but uh, he, he's uh, probably five foot three or maybe four or something like that. Maybe. We, lo- we love you, Dr. Gordon. On a good day. Um, <laughs> Standing on a chair. But uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful brother and a fantastic writer. But he, to- he told a story about how one of his cousins invited to a family reunion or lots of people this family reunion and one of his cousins was dating this I think he was a Norwegian guy and he was like six foot four and <laughs> blonde hair blue eyes just stuck out like a sore thumb uh, didn't belong obviously <laughs> now he was warmly welcomed to the reunion people were kind to him they welcomed him but in no way did they design the family reunion around this guy coming mm-hmm. he was walking into you know, potentially centuries of tradition for their family. Mm-hmm. Things they eat, things they talk about, perhaps things they sung, uh, you know, who knows. But the, the principle is that he's coming in to the family. Now, if they were to get married and he would, beca- he would become a part of that family and would learn those traditions and learn to appreciate them yes. and value them. But, you know, his first time in, uh, he's not going to feel very comfortable Right. He, 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 he feels different. He looks different. He's, he's just different. And mm-hmm. I think the, the idea that every uh, unbeliever who is unfamiliar with the scriptures, who has not ever been taught the gospel, uh, doesn't, hasn't ta- been taught the nature of God and of his own sin and so forth, why we expect that he would immediately feel comfortable is, is, is ridiculous if we're worshiping God as we ought. Yeah, we need to believe what you said a moment ago, that, it, that worship is the workshop of the Holy Spirit. And that as Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and yes. they, you know, they, they know it's me. And um, they, my sheep, Jesus is saying, will, they will respond to my voice. And Jesus' voice is loud and clear in Christian worship. Yes. And if we, done faithfully. If do, yes. And <laughs> let's let's back that up. Jesus' voice is loud and clear in faithful Christian worship. Yeah. A lot of worship today is devoid of the reading and preaching of Scripture. It's yes. devoid of the sacraments. It's devoid of, of uh, substantial prayer. So, yeah. sadly. Yeah. And, and we, we trust that um, when, when Jesus' voice is clear, loud and clear in worship, um, that people are hearing it, that those whom the Holy Spirit is working on, those whom uh, God is calling to himself, um, it, they will respond. And very likely, in part, because it does make them uncomfortable. And they realize they are in sin. And they need a sa- Savior. They need salvation. Um, and that what they have in the rest of their life, which is very different then the setting that they find themselves in is is not going to cut it. Yes. Uh, we have these categories of the uh, transcendence of God, the imminence of God, mm-hmm. and both of them are true. Um, he, is, he is other. He is transcendent. He is beyond our comprehension. Uh, there's the, the doctrine of the hiddenness of God, you know, that we've learned, uh, Luther emphasizes, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the dark, mysterious... Yeah. sovereignty of God. 
But then there's the imminence of God, his closeness to us uh, in Christ, uh, his, his love, his tenderness, his patience, um, all of the, the beautiful, tender language used towards us in Scripture, which helps us understand that we can call out to him as Abba Father. Mm-hmm. And, and that both of those things are true. Yes. And both of those things should be clearly communicated in our hymns, in our prayers, in our preaching. Those things both must be there. So you're not having this sort of unbalanced focus on the transcendence of God that makes him seem a million miles away and, uh, and, and not really someone we can relate to at all. And then we also don't want to have only a focus on the imminence of God and forgetting that he is the holy creator of the universe, yes. who is the sovereign Lord over all, um, king of kings and Lord of lords. So Amen. somehow we need to have both of those things emphasized in our public worship the reality is, if those things are clearly communicated, then we won't be comfortable in the way that I think people think of comfortability, you know, sitting in first class in the airplane getting served or yeah. watching their favorite movie at home that makes them feel good. Like, that's, that's not what we're going for. No, no. We're going for a meeting with uh, the living God, who, as you say, he is king and lord. He's also father and savior. He... He is just judge and and merciful, uh, merciful father. He he is all yes. of these things at once, um, but uh, and I think by large or a large part of what we're talking about with being comfortable is it can also be tied to just casualness and feeling just yes. kind of my you can let your hair down and and things aren't too terribly serious right now, yes. and and we realize that that's just not the case when we're yes. meeting with God. Yes, and it's there, there's a it's a it's a complex dynamic, really, when you think about, for instance, Isaiah. He goes before the Lord. He recognizes his sin, and so he cries out to God, Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And mm-hmm. then God sends the angel to touch his lips with the, 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 the fiery coal, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an analogy of, of Christ bringing him forgiveness and atonement. Mm-hmm. And then he's called to go. Uh, and be a prophet to the people of God, and um, and and he receives God's comfort in that. Mm. So it's not as if we're saying, you know, that's one or the other. It's both. We, right. we we approach God in reverence and in filial fear, which is basically deep respect. Yes. But we also are extraordinarily, profoundly comforted in His presence. Uh, because of his love for us and because of mercy in Christ. But that second part, it, it's it's not going to be true of anyone who is not united to Christ. Amen. So we're uh, glad you could uh, spend this time with us uh, on our podcast as we discuss uh, uncomfortable worship. And uh, we hope uh, that we didn't confuse you too much. Uh, uh, we would uh, love to receive your questions if you have any on this or any other podcast. Feel free to email us at the at the church, and um, we'd glad be glad to respond to those. And we hope that you will join us next time on Between the Times.